Praise be to God. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, this chapter, if you have a, a Bible where you have headings, it'll say the promise of rest. And what is this rest? Rest is when God gives us salvation. And it doesn't mean that we are no longer experiencing trials. But in the midst of those trials, we have a connection with God who's able to download and stream, if you will, continuously grace that we need. And it's our privilege to be able to call upon the name of the Lord. Every time we're in a situation where we are at our wit's end, we don't have to despair, though we may feel like despairing. We don't have to give up, though the devil, the enemy of our souls, may push us to just give up trusting in Jesus. That's the exact place in which God causes our faith to emerge even stronger through the trial. Because of God's love, because his love is so strong, because he's such a present God, whatever we're facing that seems to be too much to bear, How many of us can testify? I will testify that God has not only been there and watching, but he stepped in to save me, to save us from our situation. Hebrews chapter 4, these were a group of Christians in the first century who were given the message of Jesus Christ. And obviously they were Jewish believers. They were full-fledged believers. We can see in many places in the book of Hebrews, these were not people who just heard about Jesus and gave thought to, maybe I'll follow Jesus. But they actually said, Lord, we want to give ourselves fully to this message that we've heard. The Bible says in Romans that this is the message that you have heard. This message that we preach, which is the gospel of your salvation. This is the ticket to heaven. This is your guarantee of a relationship with the God of the universe. And no power in hell can separate you from the love of God. So from Romans, we know that when somebody receives the Lord Jesus, that relationship is solidified with the promise of the living God. No demon in hell can tear us away from the power and the presence and the promise of God. That gives us such a confidence because Satan knows who really belongs to God. He will not be after those who will toy with the idea of whether I want to follow God, whether it's worth it to place all my hopes in the living God. But you know who the devil is after? People like you who have decided to follow Jesus because they've discovered, we've discovered that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything we've ever tried. How many of us can testify? Everything we've ever tried. Some of us have tried more things than others. But we have come up empty every single time. We found out that all that glitters truly is not gold. 
all of the glamour that Satan promised to the Lord Jesus in the temptation in the Judean wilderness is the same kind of temptation he comes to us with. And when we have God standing with us, he gives us that revelation that this is all not only a hoax, but it is a pit of deception. We steer clear of that. How many of us are thankful this evening, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are from, no matter what you've been through, how many of us are so grateful I am that God Almighty had mercy upon me when I was far away from God in my heart, wandering in the darkness looking for light. God stepped in to prevent me from falling into the pit permanently. Only Jesus. These people in the book of Hebrews that we read about are addressed as brethren, which stands for brothers and sisters. The writer to the book of Hebrews is not writing a letter or an epistle just because he wants to greet someone and he has a number of things he'd like to share all on his own accord. This is the living word of God. The Bible says, holy men of God did not invent clever tales, but they were given the word of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and they simply wrote what they heard. So we can know that the people in the book of Hebrews were genuine believers because God does not lie. God himself addressed them through the writer to the Hebrews as believers, brothers, people in the faith, people who even, when you look at chapter 6 and other places in Hebrews, they actually suffered for the faith. These are not people who are simply toying with the idea, as you may have read or heard elsewhere. God's intention is, this evening, to give us the encouragement, no matter where you are in your Christian faith, whether you're a brand new believer, whether you've known the Lord for 10, 20 years, or even 50 years or more. The Bible says the word of God, every time we come to God, with an open heart and a humble heart and understand the truth. Word is life. The word of God is life to me. God knows we need life because the world is full of skull and bones. It's full of death everywhere. Even the people who seem to be fine are just a heartbeat away from sealing their fate if they don't have the Lord Jesus Christ. But who will inform us of this reality? Who will tell us the plain truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Only our God. God loves us so much. These Hebrew believers were told about something called the rest, R-E-S-T, which is not only a time where there will be no more affliction, the hereafter in heaven, there will be no contest anymore, from any demon anywhere trying to snatch our souls away. It'll be over. However, the Bible says we can enter into that rest now in this world that is full of dark forces seeking to rob us of our faith. And so the enemy is busy 
to bring on all kinds of traps for the believer. And the Hebrews were warned about that. And they were told more than once, do not slip back. Don't let go of the hope that's been given to you, but rather hold fast to Jesus. They were going through the fire. It was not a bunch of Christians that were able to go freely to church anytime they wanted, sing Christmas carols down the street. They were not a bunch of people who could sit in a library and just read theology or even go from house to house having great fellowship with no persecution. The devil was hot on their heels. The devil mobilized the Roman Empire and other people who hated Jesus Christ because they had their own gods, not unlike the world in which we live. Lies will always be hostile to the truth. We don't have to be afraid. And we don't have to get discouraged. Because those who have the truth are actually on the winning side. They're the ones that will live forever in glory. Those who have purchased and bought that lie will end up in darkness forever. So we don't have to be afraid, but we need to be aware. We need to not be aloof, but be aware that God has put me in a race. God, who has given me that supernatural strength to run the race and not give up, but trust in God and be in his word and go from the milk of the word to the meat of the word, just like it's written in Hebrews chapter uh, five and elsewhere to go from that milk of the word to that strong meat there's a vast uh, plain and area and territory that God wants believers to step into and those people are given hope notice what the Lord says here in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 it says therefore since a promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now that word fear is not God talking to his people to make them feel that they need to cringe in some, some corner and hope that God would help them to receive this rest. No. That word, it's not fearing as cringing in fear as if we're orphans, and as if we don't know what God's mood is today. No. God is always loving toward his people. Aren't you glad that you never have to doubt if God loves you? Oh, the devil will try to make you doubt that. He will step up the pain. He will attack you from all angles, just like he did with Job. He tried to do with his, these Hebrew believers, Christians in the first century. God stepped in right away to intercept that. To encourage them. Just like the Lord Jesus did when he was on the face of the earth. He intercepted Jairus when the news came that the daughter had died. He intercepted that word of fear that the devil tried to superimpose on the news that came to him. You see, the news of the reality, whether it's good or bad, does not mean that it's not factual. But although it's factual, there's a truth that's above the facts of this world. And that's God's word. He has the last word. 
Amen. When God steps in and he says, but I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Only believe. This is the message these people heard. This rest is not just the rest in heaven when we get there. Although that will be the ultimate culmination of that everlasting rest that begins now. The quality of this rest is such that God enables us to go through every hurdle, every trouble, every difficulty, every trial, every pain, at every level. Things that will just completely destroy us. Through the power of God's spirit and through his word of promise, we can go through that valley without missing God's rest. So this rest is actually God's provision. No wonder the Lord Jesus says, I'm giving you such a peace. The world hasn't given you, cannot give. The world cannot take away. Certainly, the devil is always there on the sidelines while we run our race. He's been given that ability and latitude in God's divine sovereignty, just like he did with Job, on the sidelines, whispering 24-7, while the man is in difficulty and so much pain. Basically, he lost everything. And the devil said, I told you. I told you this whole thing was a hoax. This Christianity and believing in Jesus. Where's your God now? And that's exactly the way the devil came to these Hebrew believers. That's exactly the the way the devil will come to believers today, even you. If he hasn't already, or if you haven't recognized that the voices that come to make you throw in the towel and give up, just when you are crying and maybe you can't cry anymore, Because the pain is so much. You've had it. Maybe we've come to a point where we say, Lord, I can't take it anymore. Just take me home, Lord. If God has decreed and determined in his goodness that I have a grand purpose for you to accomplish, it's not over. It's up to us to hear that voice from heaven. And take courage in that voice because it's coming from the one who cannot fail. And when we feel like nothing's going to work, we still have the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. We still call on the name of Jesus. We still say, Lord, save me. And the Lord will be right there to save us. But it is all dependent upon faith. Do we have faith? And also, what's the quality of that faith? We can know for sure from the book of Hebrews, these people had faith. They really believed. That's why they were warned to lay hold of it or keep it. Don't let it go. In other words, do not let these things slip. You see there in chapters 2 and 3. Don't let it slip. Well, you can't let something slip unless you have it. They had the faith. They had genuine faith. Not a partial faith, but a faith so full that they actually suffered for the faith. No one's going to suffer for something that they don't believe in. Certainly not to the point of death. They got their goods confiscated. They were slandered all over the place. They were beaten. Some of them were put to death. How do you stand for something that you don't believe in and be willing to risk everything like they did? No, they believed. 
In fact, God commends them through the writer to the Hebrews. So we need to establish that. The reason we're taking a few moments to establish that is this. There are people who don't know the scriptures. They may be college professors. They may be commentators. They may be your average uh, preacher in the church or other believers who try to understand this through a lens. And that lens is actually completely filtered in a negative way. It's clouded. It's distorted. How many of us have gone to the optometrist to have glasses fitted for us, prescribed for us, and they will run you through the lenses. And the optometrist will ask you, how's this? How's that? And turn right and left the lenses. Those who have the glasses, we know. We've been there. And you have to look at a certain chart in front of you and and, uh, tell that doctor what you see are the uh, letters visible and what's the clarity of those letters. Based upon that, they will prescribe what you need so you can see clearly. Hopefully, 2020 with the aid of the glasses or the contacts. God wants to give us 2020 supernatural vision. And that vision is going to come when we understand he's talking to believers here. Because as long as our lenses are distorted, we'll always have this feeling when we read the scriptures, oh, this is probably not for me. Because obviously, look, it's talking about dreadful things like um, them missing God altogether somewhere down the road. That's not me. I don't want to even think about that. Um, look, they are so discouraged, so down and out, that it seems like the writer to the Hebrews are is actually continually trying to pick them up. And I don't know if I want to believe that they really believe because maybe if I look to them, I'm going to have an up and down yo-yo Christian life. All of these thoughts can come. But when we realize that this book and this epistle is talking to real believers, we can gain great confidence and look, just like Job in the Old Testament, Satan will try everything he can. He will turn up the heat. He will bring circumstances. He will bring people to tell you it's over. And guess who's speaking through those people? Well, the enemy of our souls. They may not even know that they're the mouthpiece of the devil. But the whole goal, you see, because when the Lord God gives us salvation, when he promises divine healing, when he promises prosperity, although not without persecution in this life, not without the cross, not without tribulation, we're going to go through the fire. In fact, in the book of Acts, it's written, everyone that enters heaven must needs or must go through much tribulation. How many of us, maybe prior to this evening, maybe earlier in your Christian life, maybe even now, think, I don't want to hear about tribulation. I've had enough trouble in my life. Tell me things that are good, that I'm going to just have an easy ride into heaven. No, God says it's going to be a roller coaster ride, as we heard last week. But the Lord is right there sitting with us, and we get to sit on his lap. And we get to look at him with no fear. And he will make sure he gets us to the destination safe and sound. Why tribulation? 
Because the faith has to be tested. Any faith that's not tested is a faith that has no value. Just like love. Two people can say, I do. Or a parent can say, I, I love you to the child and vice versa. And siblings and friends and brothers and sisters in the church. But you know, it's when the test comes. What test? The test of loyalty to the one you pledged your faith or your love to. When it becomes difficult to exhibit that faith and trust and that love. That's when you see the true colors. When you find people wanting to take off when the going gets tough and look for an easier way and abandon the ones who have actually placed their trust in the other person, you know that profession of love and that faith was all fake. God is so good. Now, hasn't God done this? You see, God never demands of us that which he did not do many, many times over in an infinite way. The Bible says in Romans, and just like these Hebrew people learn, but God demonstrates his love. You see, God doesn't say I love you from heaven and he has no affliction, no pain, and he could care less whether you're going through life and death. He's just a cosmic watcher. And you know, he'll decide when to send an angel if he wants to and who gets to suffer more, who gets not to suffer. And it's all based upon his whim, his sudden feeling, mood for the day. No, 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 no. My God goes through the afflictions I go through and he's gone through worse than I've ever gone through and ever will. Hallelujah. The man that hung on Calvary's cross, blood already depleted in such a devastating measure. Unbearable pain on open wounds. Hardly able to breathe. He went the whole distance until he can utter the words and say it is finished. Father, into your hands I come in this What did he go through that for? To secure your salvation and my salvation. To secure our healing. To secure our relief, our release. From every trick and trap and snare of Satan to guarantee a rest. But we have a faithful high priest who has passed through the heavens. He never went through the clouds into heaven before he went through the cross and into lower parts of the earth. Lord suffered. He completely finished the work of salvation. These Hebrew people were being attacked by the devil. Have you been attacked by the devil? Do you feel attacked by him now? Some of you may be. The devil won't give up or let up. Because he knows if he finds a genuine believer, not a person that says, well, I love God and God, Jesus knows I love, love him. And I, I have a Bible. I have many Bibles and I, you know, go to church when I can or I may even go every, every week. But as far as, you know, fearing God and keeping his commandments, uh, God has already guaranteed salvation and it doesn't matter what I do. The worst that can happen is he's going to give me a slap on the wrist and maybe put me on the shelf and maybe, you know, I won't get to fulfill the high calling, but I'll make it to heaven. Well, that's the lie of Satan. And that's how the devil 
drags people who will serve him. You know what it's written in 1 John chapter 3? It says, whoever commits sin is of the devil. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Now, if somebody is disobeying God, they're serving the devil. God says, but that's not my design because the next verse says this. In 1 John, verse 3 and 8, 9, the whole section says this. For the seed of God remains in him. Who? Like these Hebrew believers, like you and I, who have believed in God. There's a seed. And if God's seed is in me, I cannot continue to sin. Now, the word cannot means not that there's no potential, but that there's no power of sin to dominate my life, so I have to be a slave to it all over again. What a dire contradiction of the worst sort to say that God has broken my chains free and to be smoking weed and say, I'm a Christian, I'm just struggling. To go and be an adulterer and a fornicator and watch things that I shouldn't watch that incite and feed the lust and to be a a person who will be be deceptive and lie just casually because I know I'm covered by Christ. He paid it all. No, the Bible says very clearly, those who profess the name of Christ, that everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, which is wickedness. The Son of God was sent to earth Not just to save us from our sins, but to smash the work of the devil in our lives. So we no longer lie, no longer cheat, no longer abuse our bodies, abuse other people. We're free to live truly for the first time. These people experience that. Let me continue to read. Therefore, since a promise, let's go back to verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. We think of rest as just winding down after a hard day's work. Maybe the muscles are sore. Maybe there's so much mental strain and we just need to get our mind off of work, you know, off of school, uh, off of that relationship. And unfortunately, people head for the bars. Oh, they're seeking rest. Some people get to video games. They're seeking rest, some diversion. Other people, let's put on a movie. I need my mind off of reality. I don't care if it's fantasy, I know it, but I'd rather be on that because I can't handle reality. Some people go to the gym. Some people uh, get into crime because they think, you know, at least I'll be doing something that'll give me some kind of cheap thrill. And even if I get caught, it's worth it. Some people actually think like that. But there's a seeking within, and it can be all ages, all kinds of people from all over the world. Most criminals are not in prison. We know that. Most of the criminals in the world are free. They're roaming around. It's a small segment that has been caught, indicted, and thrown into prison. God who's in heaven is looking at the whole world, but he's focusing on, just like the Hebrew Christians, his own family. He loves us too much to let us be hoodwinked by Satan and dragged away. So what does he do? He steps in and he says, I love you. I promised a rest for you. Well, you don't have to struggle with sin. 
And God knows that when a person becomes a believer, that all hell will break loose. Some people, they think about money. Do you know there are people who before Christ, B.C., in their own personal lives, before Christ, their mind was on money, 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 money. Why? Because money is the ticket to what? Good status before people. Because if you don't have enough of it, they look down on you. And I don't like being looked down on. I want to be looked up on, adopted. Other people, well, if I don't have money, I can't have the toys to have that thrill. Other people say, you know, it's not people or things. I want enough money so I can be comfortable. And I, I believe you'll agree that that word has been perhaps the most misused word with the help of the devil to bait Christians to actually follow that carrot that he dangles like a horse, go right into the love of money all over again. When Christ comes in, he shatters all of the lies and we open our eyes, we take a deep breath, we see money is not the answer. I've been serving money all my life, whether it's my education or the first job, the promotion, talking to people, networking, everything was about what can I get? And the man on the cross has shown me. It's about what I can give, not what I can get. Oh, that's shattered everything. We took a deep breath and said, Lord, thank you. I'm finally free from that, that oppressive spirit to drag me into that slavery, that bondage to worship money. You see, I don't need to have a dollar bill or whatever currency you have in your part of the world and put it on a, a pedestal, quite literally, make a shrine out of it, and then bow to it every day and kiss it. No, 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 no. Long as my mind is on money, that's my master. If my mind is on the Lord Jesus, now I'm talking to believers, who have come to faith, then I cannot serve money anymore. My delight is trusting in God, knowing that he who promised cannot lie, who's faithful, to perform that which he said. What did he say? In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Most of us know that by heart. Jesus said, notice there was a son of God who gave his life, his very blood, who went through torture. So we don't have to be a slave to money or any sinful thing. I should say the love of money and a slave to money. He said, but seek first. I have to be honest with myself. In all my Christian life, have I ever gone backward and begun to worry about money and begun to feel, you know what? I can't rest until I get that promotion. In fact, I need to go for training to get that promotion. And it's so heavy on me. And the stakes are so high because I've made it so high. Because I want my husband to respect me. I want my wife to respect me. And the only thing that will buy them respect is more money in my bank account. What a bondage. Especially to believers. My friends, they need to know that I'm smart. Because it appears that whether you have a degree or not, if you have more money, you're smarter than the rest. I want to be kind of smart. How many of us have been there? These uh, subtle suggestions from Lucifer, who poses as the angel of light, 
but it's really darkness epitomized Satan himself. Suggestions that come to our mind, middle of the night, or as we're going to work, seeing all these uh, bombarding messages from uh, opportunities. Oh, Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart is, and you can know for sure. As believers, if we have defected back to the old way, where money begins to consume us, we're not going to make it to see God. Because God said, you cannot serve God in money. Whoever will get to heaven, whoever has gone to heaven, or will ever get to heaven, who has two masters. No one. It has to be Jesus. That's why the early Christian martyrs, when the Romans rounded them up and took them to the Colosseum, where you can still see the the uh, tombs and the catacombs and all these things they built. Martyrs. They said to the believers, listen, all you have to do is embrace Mars and Jupiter and all of these other gods and just reject Jesus or better yet, you know what? I'll give you this. You have soldiers there, brutal soldiers sent from Caesar. You want to be a Christian? Okay, I'll give you that. But have these other gods too and never Put Jesus above Caesar. They were right there at the point of death. And very torturous death. Sometimes bears. Sometimes fierce lions. Hungry. And many times they would see other believers mauled to death and eaten. Then the Satan will come through the people. Oh, Hebrew Christians? First century? Isn't it wonderful Jesus died because celebrate Easter? You're going to die today. If you put Jesus above Caesar and you don't like these other gods. You know one famous martyr said, Polycarp? He was 80-something years old. True story. He was actually uh, a follower and a student of another student, if not directly, of the Apostle John way back in the first century. 80-something years old. When they came to him and said, deny Jesus. He said, I've been following him for 80 something years, 86 years or so. He said, I've always found him faithful. I'm not turning back on him now. What is supposed to happen to him? On this side of eternity, he lost everything. On the other side of eternity, he gained everything. The Lord says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord in glory. The very instant that he fell asleep, and that's the way the Bible describes, even Jesus himself, believers who die, they fall asleep. Stephen, the martyr in the book of Acts, when he was stoned, that first martyr, the Bible says, when he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, after he said, Lord, forgive them of their sins, don't hold against the people who stoned, were stoning him. He says, and he fell asleep, but not before he saw. He said, I see the Son of Man Standing at the right hand of glory. With the Father. The Lord is ready to receive him. Our faith has to be. Such. Of such caliber. It has to be. A bedrock of our life. Where when money comes into the picture. We know how to put it right in its place. Underneath Jesus. We need to know ourselves. Because God will expose. The one who says God I love you. But in the end he may say you know what. You really love me for the money I can bring you. And your focus is always on a comfortable life 
so-called, but you're constantly thinking about money and a better status in this world. You cannot follow Jesus like that. The Lord said something to the country. Whoever would follow me, he said, first of all, let that person deny himself. Take up his cross. Nothing pleasant. And follow me. However, the Lord says, with that path of the cross, I promise to be with you. And I will rain down glorious miracles upon your life. The Apostle Paul knew that. The writer to the Hebrews experienced that. That's why he can be that vessel to faithfully preach this word to these people. This rest is when the devil comes with the bait, more money. I say, Lord, you hear him? He's trying to bait me with money, Lord. In Jesus' name, get off Satan. My father is my provider. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God. Sometimes we hear the word so often. Some words we've memorized, some of the scriptures. It becomes just absolutely ineffective. Doesn't do a thing on the inside. But when I tremble at the word of God, just like it's written in the book of Isaiah. When I say, Lord, you're speaking to me. Where am I? Why do I not experience rest? If the Lord says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30 and so forth, come to me, all you that are heavily burdened, you're so weighed down with problems, laboring, you're depleted, don't go to the bar, don't try to put on a flick, don't go smoke that, don't even go out to eat. Some of those things are not wrong. Some are. You know, even those things that are not wrong. Just like somebody goes to unwind and blow off some steam and they go to work out. You know what God showed me many years ago when I worked in the health club? Over 30 years ago. As a young man, as I watched the people and I myself was there exercising and even training people many, many years ago. You know what God showed me as a, as a barely a teenager, early 20, 21? He showed me people are prolonging their misery by working out. Now, this is not saying working out is bad. Not at all. This is not saying that we shouldn't take care of the temple, our bodies that God has given to us. Not at all. We ought to. Exercise is good when it's in the right place in our life. However, these people were serving themselves and their bodies. They were serving other people. They want to look good for them and for others. Where's God? And many Christians fall under that snare, just like I talked about money. And they say, well, I have to work out and God is good. He's given me ability to work out and I need to have my numbers right. You know, my sugar level, my cholesterol level, all well and good. We ought to. However, if I begin to be consumed and obsessed with my body and how I appear to people and even boast about my health and look down upon people. They don't run like me. I'm a champion. You know how many believers are living a double life? God exposes that. So way back then, God showed me and some were Christians who went to the health club. Not everybody really is worshiping the Lord Jesus who says I'm a believer. God has become one of many gods. In fact, Jesus has become the chief vehicle to give me 
what I want in this life. And the whole focus is not glory, where I'm headed, where we're headed, this life, and they don't want to hear about the cross. Peter stood up from the other disciples. When the Lord began to say, the Son of Man will be delivered up to the Gentiles, he'll be beaten, scourged, whipped. They're going to deliver him up to be crucified. Peter couldn't take it anymore. He said, no. He took the Lord to the side. He said, never. Jesus looked at him and said, Satan, get behind me. You don't savor the things of God with the things of man. The voices that come to even a believer like Peter, the voices that come to the head that we don't even vocalize or verbalize, many times believers don't know. They think it's them. They think, oh, I have a feeling like I need to go to, uh, you know, get that sugar kick. I think I get that latte. No, let me get two. Let me get three. And let me just go down. You know what? I get addicted to things. So what? At least I'm not smoking weed. They begin to be their own God to pit their desires and abuses, really, versus other things that are bad. You say, well, I'm not as bad as that guy or the what I used to be. Is it justified? Abusing my body still? It's just another way the devil has sold me. It's garbage. We need to recognize the impulses that come to believers. That's what these Hebrew people were facing. No, they didn't get tempted to get a latte, obviously. They didn't get tempted to go work out in the gym. No, no, no. no. Oh, I should say, work out too much in the gym. No, they were actually caught right between heaven and hell, where the devil was stepping up his game as much as he could to tell them, where's your God now? So now you're getting serious with God. Look at this. They want to divorce you. Just when you're getting close to Jesus. Now you're getting close to God. Look at this. They want to close the opportunity because you're a fanatic. Too much Jesus. Now you're getting close to God. Look at this. Your opportunities for money. Slim to none now. They don't want you. Friends are leaving you. You're getting attacks in your body. Person can begin to think, woe is me, Lord. Do you love me or not? I don't even know if I believe in you anymore. Exactly what the devil wanted to hear. Beloved, unless we go through the fire, I've been through the fire, like many of you. We may go through more fire. Unless we've come to the conclusion that the number one consideration in my fiery trial is whether I know the Lord or not, truly. I'm pleasing Him, and I can hear His voice. That makes all the difference. To cause that to be solid before the trials come, the Lord prepared these people. He's preparing you today. We can choose a road that's easy, but it won't be the Christian life. The devil will give you badge after badge. True Christian, lover of Jesus, give you a baseball cap. I love Jesus. He will put you as a head of a Christian organization. Just make you feel all pampered and pumped up. You know, I must be a real Christian because everything I have is about Christ. But you know what? Deep inside, 
I want to be number one. I want to have more money than that person. I feel bad when they're doing well and I'm not. Oh, that's the spirit of the devil. The moment we recognize those thoughts are not native to me. Those are missiles. I can hold up the shield of faith and say, get out in Jesus' name. I'm called to love others just as I love myself. That's the road I'm taking. If we don't do that, we'll be among the millions, perhaps. I don't know. God only knows. Certainly through the centuries, if not in our present generation, who actually think they're tight with Jesus when they're far away. They give him lip service, but they don't do what he says. But we can be in that category. And God will say, I know him. He told Satan, he said, I know Job. Satan, do you see Job? One who's perfect, upright. He does what? Fears God and pushes away evil. Oh, there's a proactive role for you and I. I have to be the custodian of my soul with the help of God. I have to recognize when the devil comes through people, through pleasures, temptations, and my own thoughts. Do you think Peter knew that the devil was using his mouth that time when he spoke to Jesus? He thought, Lord, you know I love you. I'm basically telling you over my dead body, nobody's laying a hand on you, Lord. They're not going to crucify you. He said, this is crazy, basically. The Lord says, Satan, get out of here. Why? Because the devil wanted to stop the plan of salvation on the cross, which would mean that none of us would get to heaven. We'd be in hell forever. The Lord recognized that voice that seemed to be so loving was a humanistic, satanic voice trying to stop the will of God. How many believers do you know today that can recognize the difference between the two? Not many. In my experience with people pastoring and counseling, not many. I had to learn that myself many years ago because I thought that voices that came, why, it's my own thoughts. Unless there's something very, very uh, outright blatant evil, we don't understand the subtle voices that says, well, sleep in a little longer when you have to pray. That is Lucifer. It's cold outside. I don't think I can go to church. That's Satan. Uh, uh, the, the radio newsman says that it's... Uh, uh, not good for anybody to um, uh, uh, do whatever when God says to do something. Oh, there's a newsflash coming. There's a new law in the land. What is that? Don't evangelize anymore. Otherwise, you'd be the first one in jail, maybe even face capital punishment. How can I ever be ready for such things if I don't have victory in my personal life and the little things? If I don't recognize, like these Hebrew believers were told, how the devil will come to persecute, he'll come to tempt, anything and everything to keep us from serving God. The rest that God is talking about, Matthew chapter 11, just like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Come unto me, all you that are burdened, believers. You're heavily burdened. I will give you rest. Now, lest we misunderstand that Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a vacation. You can just, you know, come with me to a resort area and I will rain down dollar bills on you. You don't need to worry or work anymore. No. He's the son of man. He said, I have nowhere to lay my head. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests on a man. 
has no place to lay his head even. And he went through tremendous opposition persecution. He's not calling us to an easy life that will pamper us all the way to hell, the perdition, no. He's calling us to a victorious life, triumphant life. And every time the devil steps up and says, put up your dukes, I'm going to knock you out. The spirit of God within the genuine believer who's holding on to God will have the power to knock him out. Amen? Every temptation, every persecution, every lie, we'll be able to knock it out. And Peter, by the way, the very person that the devil used was able to knock the devil out later on. And he entered into glory. What a consolation that we don't have to give up or give in even one second to the devil. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. That means take it very, very seriously. He's talking to you and to me. Lest any of you believers seem to have come short of it. Meaning, do not let go of eternal life. Meaning, there's a possibility and potential that we actually can turn our back from Jesus and end up away from him. Very clear in the scriptures. It's not legalism. Praise the Lord. It says, indeed, the gospel would preach to us. I'm in verse 2, Hebrews chapter 4. As well as to them. To who? The people way back in the Old Testament. Their own Jewish ancestors were in the wilderness. The gospel would preach to them. But they did not mix that word with faith. And those people, what happened? They didn't enter into the rest. Now, as I close, even though we just went through a couple of verses, Kira is going to come on. And I want to emphasize this. This verse in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, along with verse 1 and the rest of the chapter, even though it says that word that was preached to your ancestors in the wilderness, remember the whole generation, they didn't make it to Canaan. And Canaan, which is modern-day Israel, the equivalent of it, not quite, but a good portion of it. Canaan was the promised land, and it was the land that typified or symbolized our heavenly Canaan, heaven. So God saved Israel out of slavery, just like he saved us from the bondage of the devil. We go through this life, which is like the wilderness, just like they journeyed through the wilderness. In this probationary life that we live, we can have miracles coming down upon us. Joy unspeakable. Even though there are scorpions on the way. Serpents on the way. Enemies all around. Scorching heat. Shortage of water. No bread, no meat. God says, even though you're in the wilderness, I'm with you to continually rain down miracle after miracle. That's the life I want to live with my God. And when we pass through the probation, this wilderness, whatever the devil throws at us, it may be a sickness and painful at that. It may be you watching someone suffer. The devil says, see, I told you, Jesus can't help you now. It may be somebody at gunpoint being threatened. Do you really believe? That's where we need to build up the faith. We say, oh, that's not going to happen. You'll be surprised how many believers around the world are facing that today. How many over the centuries have faced that? We may not. But the devil can come in any number of ways. Remember what I said earlier. Any faith that's not tested 
cannot be confided in as genuine faith. Just like any love that's not been tested. Husband and wife, wife becomes a vegetable or husband becomes a vegetable in the eyes of who? The so-called professionals who say, pull the plug. That's what I'm talking about. No more pleasure from the spouse. Not even pleasure like sporting somewhere or vacations. I'm talking about just being able to talk with a person. Just like a vegetable. And they say all kinds of things. You know what? It's over because, you know, and the devil will come through people, professionals. The person is not even there. Don't you see? That's not what God says. They may not be there to the point where they cannot communicate. But there's a soul within. Now, I know people who've been in comas. Even one case, I know at least one case, 18 years in a coma. Many years ago. 18 years in a coma. Came to miraculously. There are others much shorter time. It's the devil that says, pull the plug. I tell you, in your life and my life, it's the devil says who says, pull the plug on Jesus. He doesn't exist. Don't believe in him. God is dead. We need to know this Christianity is serious. But there's joy and peace. The rest is when I know my God. Lord, you know, I've been through life and death. The devil had me Going there for a minute, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. Why he dangled that carrot in front of me. Even through other Christians. Hey, you need money. So do it. God understands you have to provide for your family. I know you have to cut corners and everybody does something shady and just look the other way. Even though even though your company is unethical and they're violating people's rights, this is the point at which the devil comes. Or if you're a student somewhere, in the university. The grades matter. You need the favor of the professor. And this is maybe the last course for the degree. And the devil is using that professor to the hilt. I've seen that happen. Because he or she knows you're a Christian. Every single class virtually bring up Christ to knock down Christ. And you're under the gun. Should I say something? I know he's going to fail me. I have nobody to talk to about it. And he's got the power. And... uh But you've been walking with God. You say, I don't need anything in this world except God's favor. I want to please him because I love him. My love is for him is under the test right now. I'm going to show God I believe him. I trust him. You know what I've experienced in Pastor Karuba and other people? When we stand for the Lord and the devil said, you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your life or your money, your relationships. What's the point of living? You're going to lose your hair through that treatment. You're going to lose your skin color. You're going to lose, oh, the devil can do all kinds of things. That's where the faith that has found its rest. Right in the arms of Jesus. And we have such a communion with God. Day or night, we're talking to him. And we have confessed to the Lord and before the devil and all of the people. And of Jesus, more than anything, I've entered into his rest. Remember, there's a rest up there. But that is the consummation of the rest that begins now. Where I have a peace and a joy. Even when everything is down. God will send miracles for me. 
to show that I am his own. And he loves me. His eye is on the sparrow. His eyes are on me. Jesus never fails. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. More than anything. More than anything. I love you, Jesus. More than anything. More than worldly wealth. More than life itself. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I do love more than anything. Can we honestly say that? You can today. If God has shown your own heart, your own heart to today, your own thoughts and the way you make decisions, the deepest motivations. And he says, I see it all. Maybe you couldn't see, but you're not in a good spot. You need to have complete faith in me because I have promised that which I'll perform for you. I love you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Today you can say, Lord, I want to be in this rest where even if all hell breaks loose, I will call upon your name, Lord, plead your blood upon myself, upon my family, upon the situation, and expect you to come through because you never fail. I'll have that rest even when I'm at my wit's end. All my Jesus, hallelujah, 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 blood of Jesus. More than earthly friends. More than family, I love you, Jesus, more than anything, more than anything, Lord, more than anything, truly, I love you, Jesus, the one who's crucified for my sins, who died, was buried, and rose from the dead on the third day. Who's watching us right now from heaven, in our midst right now. Oh, Lamb of God, Alpha and Omega, living Jesus, my God, who raises the dead, in whose presence death cannot remain. Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray, rain down your blessing upon your people, Lord, who heard the word. Cause them, Lord, to experience your miracles right now. Right from their souls, oh Lord, into their situation. That the loyalty to you, the faith, the bedrock solid, oh Father, and they will make it. They will endure every persecution, every tribulation, and run well and finish well by your grace. I thank you for doing it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.